Blessed are you, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord has come to me? It is with these words that Elizabeth welcomes Mary into her home. Elizabeth and Mary were relatives, both miraculously pregnant, and they have come together in this scene known as the visitation. Elizabeth, the one on the right, had been barren, and her, she and her husband Zechariah were, as the scripture gently puts it, getting on in years. The angel Gabriel appears to Zechariah while he's working in the temple, and he tells him that Elizabeth will conceive a child. Their baby would become John the Baptist, the prophet who, as we have heard over the last two weeks, would prepare the way for Jesus. The story of Mary, of course, is much more familiar. The angel Gabriel appears again and tells Mary that she will give birth to God's son. Though she is young, though she is not yet married to Joseph, the Holy Spirit will come over her and she will conceive. Her son will be the long-awaited Messiah, the Savior, Jesus, who is Christ the Lord. And so, in this beautiful scene, we have these two women, two miraculous divine conceptions, women who greatly rejoice in the babies that they carried, rejoice in each other, and rejoice in God. So much so that the baby in Elizabeth's womb, John, leaps at the sound of Mary's voice. Or, as a friend of mine's child recently described it, he went kaboom in the womb. (laughs) Earlier this week, uh, my wife Jenny and I were recounting the day about seven years ago that we learned we were having twins. Uh, We recorded the story as part of a friend's podcast that she runs called This Everyday Holy Ordinary Living in the Lectionary puts our everyday stories and the stories of Scripture together. And it's a story I've told before, so I won't do it again, and I've even written about it. But it was fun to retell the story together with Jenny, to have both of our perspectives. And in the retelling, it reminded me of some of the details I had forgotten. Like when Jenny found out she was having twins after the ultrasound, although she called me briefly to say everything's fine and I'll see you soon, Her first real call for that day was to her friend, her best friend, Hope. She said that in that moment of shock, she needed her best girlfriend to be there, to listen to her, to talk her down from her panic, and to rejoice with her too. And Jenny noted that some things never change, that even way back 2,000 years ago, Mary and Elizabeth needed each other to share in this experience together, and maybe just maybe get a little space away from their somewhat daft husbands. It's something I observe, but I've never experienced this girlfriend bond. From what I can tell, it involves some combination of venting about husbands, filling each other in on family news, news about mutual friends, some combination of tea and food and chocolate, laughter, and most of all, solidarity. My friend, the wonderful Monica Coleman, has said that she suspects the conversation between Mary and Elizabeth was really something more like this. She says, I believe they talked about how their backs hurt, how their extremities were swelling. I imagine that they talked about how there was no comfortable sleeping position and that they would give anything for a nice long foot rub. 
I think they laughed as they compared foods that were digestible in the first trimester, but now caused indigestion. I bet they complained about how their men did this to them and how they were going to lose their mind if there was any way in which the men suggested that we were having a baby. They were clear. They, the women, Mary and Elizabeth, were having the babies. Monica goes on, this is what pregnant women do. At least it's what I did as a pregnant woman. I found other women who were pregnant or who had been pregnant. We gathered, sometimes one-on-one, where my mommy friends whispered words of advice to me. Don't let anyone tell you how to be a parent. Follow your instinct. They sent emails and checked on me. They told me what I needed to buy and what was completely unnecessary. And later she concludes, It's the lesson we all need for the beginning of our spiritual journeys. You aren't meant to travel this road alone. And Mary and Elizabeth knew that, and they knew it well. And it's such a beautiful encounter, a moment of relatives and girlfriends and compatriots in pregnancy and in blessedness. And they remain together, not just for a day or a week, but the scriptures say for three months they remain together. Now, in the face of it, everything seems perfect in our readings for today. It's all copacetic. Mary walks in and Elizabeth declares, Blessed are you, Mary. And Mary sings this beautiful song, which we now call the Magnificat from the Latin, My soul magnifies the Lord. And yet, I couldn't help but think all week that it almost seems all too perfect. Because the arrival of children, no matter how unexpected or how longed for, yes, brings rejoicing, but also brings no small measure of panic and worry. We experience this with each of our kids, but especially with the twins. With each child, everything changed, and then changed again, and then changed again. And it just continues throughout our lives. In fact, this parental panic does show up earlier in the story, in the infancy narratives from the Gospel of Luke. When the angel Gabriel appears to Zechariah, Elizabeth's husband, Zechariah asks, how can this be, for we are old? When Gabriel appears to Mary, she asks, how can this be, for I am not married? How can this be? The birth of Christ is a time for rejoicing, but it also represents a moment of massive change in the history of the world and in our own lives. It questions our assumptions and presumptions. It questions how we understand power and authority and wealth and the human community. Everything we thought we knew about the world changes when God enters into the world in the form of a baby. Those are the two threads that weave together in Mary's song. Rejoicing and reversal, blessing and change. She sings, God has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. The mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. His mercy is from generation to generation. But she also says, God has scattered the proud and brought down the powerful, lifted up the lowly and filled the hungry and sent the rich away empty. These are themes that repeat again and again throughout Luke's gospel, throughout the birth and life and death of Jesus. It turns everything upside down. Because Jesus came for more than just to save us from our busyness of buying presents and parties. 
He didn't come to reinforce the status quo. He didn't come just so that we'd all be a little bit nicer. He came to change the world. He came to question our notions of power and authority and to show us that those things must be grounded in love and hope. He came to show us the way of peace. He came that we might love our neighbors both near and far as much as we love ourselves and even love our enemies. He ushered in the kingdom of God where the first shall be last and the last shall be first, where the most vulnerable are the most honored, where those who are oppressed are set free, to call us to a humble and self-emptying love, the kind of love we see reflected in Elizabeth and Mary and Jesus. With the birth of Christ, the Magnificat, is not a lullaby by which to go to sleep. It is an announcement that God has come to bless us, but not to endorse the world's brokenness. But through radical acts of love of his followers, he wants to remake the world in God's image. And that is not only a cause for rejoicing and magnifying God, it's a cause for understandable reticence at how we and the world will be changed by this birth. Mary and Elizabeth knew this, and they knew it first because they bore this truth, this reality within their own bodies and needed each other for courage and consolation to remind us that in the midst of it all, there were and would be blessed. They would be blessed and that we would be blessed by these two babes. That their stories would be told down through millennia but they would also see the rejection and the death of both of their sons. You know, earlier this week, I had the chance to read this gospel, the story of the visitation, four times. It's often the case when I go to visit people, I I take the bulletin with me and I read whatever the gospel is for this Sunday. And so this week, I happened to read this story four times to four different women in four different circumstances. The first woman I read this to was 94 years old, and her legs are a little more wobbly than they used to be, and she can't get it out of the house as much as she once did. And we read the Magnificat there in her living room, and we claimed along with Mary and Elizabeth that she too, though feeling lowly, was blessed. Later, I read Mary's song to a four-day-old little girl and her family. And the song resounded with the blessing and the changes that new babies bring. I read it at the bedside of a woman in a hospital dealing with chronic health issues, and finally to a woman in the medical unit at her retirement community. In each reading of this passage, we claimed Mary's song as our own and gave thanks that indeed God looked on what the world sees as lowliness because of age or health or vulnerability, and God called each of them blessed. A few weeks ago, we had our Advent evening retreat. feels like ages, but just a few weeks ago, and we reflected on the Magnificat, Mary's song. And one of the themes that came up as people shared their reflections was that people kept reflecting on how, in the story, God notices Mary, lowly and young that she was. God saw her, God knew her, God loved her, and God blessed her. And they said, you know, maybe if God could notice somebody like that, then maybe God could notice me. 
if somebody could bless somebody like that, maybe God could call me blessed as well. And God does. In the story of Jesus, the lowly are lifted up. From Zechariah and Elizabeth to Mary and Joseph to the shepherds, the animals in the stable, outcasts and sinners. In Jesus, they all go from being of no account to being blessed. And the same is true for each of us. As Jesus is born to us again in just a few days, we too with Mary and through Jesus are called blessed and blessed to be a blessing. And so may we sing with Mary and Elizabeth and claim our blessedness and favor in God's eyes today. And may we in confidence participate in God's work to prepare the world inspired by these women, Mary and Elizabeth, who experienced this new reality before anybody else did because it was alive inside them. And finally, may we honor and emulate these women. For as Meister Eckhart, the German mystic, once wrote, we are all called to be mothers of God, for God is always waiting to be born. Amen.